Hey, what's up everyone? This is Greg with SportsRehabExpert.com. We're back with another episode of the Sports Rehab Success Show. And today we're going to be talking about the number one mistake that I see seasoned clinicians and new grads making with protocols. So this is a common question that gets brought up a lot within the Sports Rehab Expert members area. I get it especially a ton from new grads, but I also think a lot of uh, seasoned clinicians kind of get lackadaisical in their approach to protocols uh, eventually uh, as their career uh, develops and, and something that you want to keep reminding yourself as you're reflecting upon how your career is progressing too. So uh, the main question that I get asked is, you know, should we follow the protocol to a T or what type of uh, what type of room do we have to kind of play around and adjust things based upon what we see is necessary. So what we want to do first and foremost is ask ourselves why was a protocol developed in the first place. And uh, I really have two answers for this. If there's another one that maybe I haven't mentioned, feel free to bring it up or put it in the comments below. But the two main reasons that I want, uh, that I feel protocols were developed for was number one, from a surgeon standpoint to inform the clinician as far as what type of healing timeframes they would be expecting from a graft or from the surgical uh, site and give the clinician a better understanding of what tissue quality they can anticipate at any point in time so that they know how to appropriately challenge the given individual in front of them. The second purpose that a protocol was developed for was to help create a standard operating procedure within the profession so that we uh, create some type of repeatability in our outcomes with the individuals who present to us. Now that being said, just like any other thing that's been ever developed in the history of mankind is there's going to be positives and negatives. So there's always going to be two sides of the coin and this is what you have to keep asking yourselves. What are the positives of this? What are the negatives of this? And that's something I'm constantly doing with anything that comes up uh, in front of me or anything new that I'm learning. So again, what are the positives of this? This gives us a lot of information as far as what the surgeon expects the tissue quality to be at any particular point in time. And then number two, standard operating of procedures of what we should expect the client to be capable of doing at any particular point in time. Weaknesses, obviously there are individual differences. Uh, the person's physical uh, fitness levels or their general physical preparedness prior to an injury or prior to a surgery, taking that into consideration before and after a surgery is very, very important. Obviously, someone who has never been involved with any type of fitness-based program is very deconditioned, is going to have a much different approach to a high-level athlete who has been training for many, many, many years. So that's number one that we have to kind of consider this. Number two is that whenever a protocol is written up, it's done so from a very uh, bracketed standpoint. And what I mean by that is, okay, we have from zero to eight weeks, this is what you should be doing. From nine to 12 weeks, this is what you should be doing. And it doesn't, it doesn't create this spectrum. And we have to understand, and most of us kind of intuitively know this, that rehabilitation is done within a spectrum. So you don't go from point A to point B with nothing in between. You have to travel across the spectrum to be able to get to your end destination. And that's what a protocol does poorly. It doesn't give you a spectrum. It doesn't give you any type of transitional phases or understanding of how uh, we can maybe do something a little bit sooner if we do it slightly different or modified in a certain way to allow for decreased stresses on a particular uh, tissue quality, or it doesn't take into account 
what the uh, physical fitness or the, the readiness state of that individual may have been prior to going into the surgery or after the surgery, um, what their presentation looks like as well either. So we have to develop these transitional uh, phases as well too within those protocols and understand that there are these transitional points. We can't go from point A to point B with nothing in between. So case in point, what I want to give you is just an example of this. Is, uh, you'll see this all the time in protocols where they'll talk about rotator cuff strengthening. We'll, let's just say a shoulder, for example. They'll talk about rotator cuff strengthening. We want to be able to get the athlete or the orthopedic client to a particular point where they have this uh, set baseline standard of general physical preparedness within their rotator cuff uh, to be able to withstand more dynamic things down the road. Um, that being said, on the protocol it will say you know something along the lines of say from week 6 to week 12 you have this general strengthening period. It doesn't give you much guidance as far as what exercises you should be doing or maybe it does give you very specific exercises. I've seen very very specific exercises based upon a protocol and what surgeons really like to see with their clients but again remind yourself what it is it's a standard operating procedure it's helping you understand what each client should be capable of doing eventually at some point in time and uh, those are very very useful because what I see is I see seasoned clinicians getting a little bit too far or lackadaisical in not following the protocol or straying away from the protocol because they feel they know what's best for the client and obviously through history and through being a clinician for a while you have a lot you have a lot of experiences that help you make decisions so now what that does do is it gives you a little bit overconfidence as far as not checking particular measures so along each stage of the process you need to still have the standard operating procedure of what landmarks or what uh, markers you would like to see these clients hitting before they move on to the next phase just want to take a brief moment to remind you of what we got going on here at sportsrehabexpert.com. At the heart of the website is the Sports Rehab Expert certification, where this is two online CU courses for rehabilitation clinicians and strength and conditioning coaches. We teach you everything you need to know from A to Z on how to achieve practice freedom and how to win as a rehabilitation professional or strength and conditioning coach, trying to maximize outcome outcomes for your clients. We do this all in a timely manner without having to take a pay cut or having to spend time away from family or break the bank like some residencies, internships, and fellowship programs require you to do. We want to help you achieve practice freedom in the shortest amount of time possible and minimize the number of frustrations you may have along the path. To complement the Sports Rehab Expert certification, we also have the Sports Rehab Expert members area and other mini courses which you can get involved in to help carve your path to career success within the field of sports rehabilitation and orthopedic rehabilitation. As an added benefit of the Sports Rehab Expert members area, we also have monthly workouts as well as pain-free training programs that clinicians love because it gets their feet wet and they get to learn by doing, but also we get many general population and athletes coming to the site just for these workouts as well too. Thank you for your time, appreciate you listening in, and now back to the show. Another example that I want you to consider is say uh, a runner who had some type of knee injury potentially to the meniscus or some type of uh, tendinopathy to the Achilles. Um, in either scenario, 
we know that running creates a particular load that um, is going to go through the body depending on how fast the individual is going. So that could be anywhere from two to four times the individual's body weight as far as forces that are gone through in the lower extremity. Now, when you see it on a protocol, what you'll see is just very general listing of you know, a strengthening phase where uh, they're going to be doing squats, they're going to be doing lunges, they're going to be doing, um, say, deadlifts. Um, and then all of a sudden, when they hit this certain time frame or this certain week, you have now they're able to start running. But if we never got to a point where we've uh, trained a particular quality that is similar to what happens in running, so through training, all that we're really doing is preparing the athlete for said task down the road. And this is where all the functional experts or the functional training experts out there will probably hate me for this, but um, really all that you're doing in training is you're preparing the athlete for the qualities they need to utilize during their said task that they want to get back to. The only thing that is functional is the actual task that they're trying to get back to. So yes, you need to run to get better at running, but that is the only functional training that is out there because running is running. There's no other way to prepare yourself for running. The only thing you can do before running is prepare the qualities that are going to be utilized during running. So again, during strengthening, we can prepare qualities and we can train specific angles that may be uh, transfer, a little bit more transferable to what happens in running, but we can't re replicate running unless we are running. Now, obviously, again, everything's on a spectrum. There may be skipping, there may be backwards jogging, uh, there could be sidestepping or shuffling or pogo hopping. Again, there's a lot of things that are similar to running, but they are not running. And realistically, anything is functional if you just relate it to what qualities you're training and if the qualities match what is needed and necessary for running. So, so as a reminder, again, the mistake with protocols is bracketing uh, time frames. And that's, okay, at this point in time, they can do X, Y, Z. And at this point in time, they can do X, Y, Z. There's no transition in between. So those, uh, those exercises, such as pogo hops, skipping, uh, high knees, butt kicks, um, single leg, skip, uh, single leg pogo hops, um, a lot of different things that kind of help bridge the gap between strength training and more dynamic activity and gets the athlete um, producing force uh, at quicker and quicker speeds under higher and higher loads is absolutely necessary. I've seen plenty of people who are post Achilles, um, also post some type of knee operation, who don't respond well to running because all that was done beforehand was some type of strengthening and conditioning uh, program. Now, obviously, we want to get the individual really, really strong, but if running is getting upwards of two to three times body weight, if you're going to replicate that within a strength training environment, that person needs two times their body weight on a back squat um, or during a lunge because running is a single leg task. So they should be able to do that on a single leg as well too. So at some point in time, uh, you're going to actually maximize this person's capability of what they can do strength training wise. So you have to get to more dynamic based activities. And this is where you can get a little bit creative as far as manipulating loads, manipulating speeds, and manipulating angles. And these three factors 
matters significantly when we're talking about how do we help bridge the gap between point A and point B and give someone a better middle ground or a better transitional phase between the two. So uh, you always need to have an outlook on the final destination the person is getting to and you need to work yourself backwards. And that's pretty common advice for a lot of things that uh, people will suggest. For anything really, I mean, business success, personal success, and and shoot, if you need to learn how to tie your shoelaces, you have to know the outcome that you want or the intention that you have or the final destination, which is tying your shoes, and you have to know the components of how to do that so that you can work backwards and help teach somebody the components or the qualities necessary to complete whatever said task may be, such as tying your shoes. So figure out your end destination, uh, and that will change per individual, which is why your subjective uh, intake is so important to understand what this person is going to be getting back towards, have a protocol in place to help give you a standard operating procedure of milestones and markers that you need each individual to make, um, but then be aware of depending on the task that the individual is getting back to and the demands of that task and what is required of the individual, there needs to be transitional periods of how you become more specific to training the qualities that are necessary to display during the task or the event that the individual is participating in. So as a summary, remember there's always two sides of the coin. You're going to hear me say that over and over again. As you listen to this podcast, there's always two ends of the spectrum and we need to better fill the gaps between the spectrum as well too. So uh, remember positives and negatives to each, there is no necessarily right or wrong, both are necessary. It's just a matter of how you navigate the in-between areas and how you navigate the spectrum it, what makes you, is what makes you a better clinician and a better rehabilitation, sports performance, strength coach. Hey, thanks for watching. If you found yourself wondering how we can help you more, visit us at sportsrehabexpert.com where we have more free content, products, and courses that you can take to accelerate your learning, or you can just send me an email at greg at sportsrehabexpert.com. And one more thing, if you found this video helpful, please subscribe so you get notified whenever a new video comes out, and please like and share any content that you feel was helpful. Thanks.